bow with me. Father in heaven, you, you are holy and you are awesome. God, we thank you for the privilege of gathering together in this place as your church. We love you, Lord, and we thank you that you have loved us first. Father, we, we can't even love you in and of ourselves. The only reason we love you is because you've shown us what love is. You've shown us how to love and have loved us in spite of ourselves. Lord, thank you for this grace and this mercy. Lord, thank you for waking us up for another day. You, you didn't have to give us another day, Lord. Each and every one of us count the days that we are alive here on this earth as a blessing from you. Because, Lord, you don't owe us anything. So, Father, we have, we have sung your name and your praises and your greatness this morning. Lord, we have given tithes and offerings and worship to you. Lord, we turn our attention now to your holy and perfect word. God, I, I know that I am weak and I am frail. I am unworthy and I am inadequate in every way. But God, thank you. Your word and your spirit are sufficient, even for me, even for us as a church. And so, Lord, we, none of us look forward to the foolish ramblings of a silly preacher, God. We look forward to hearing from you, from your word. And so, God, we pray that you would move me out of your way, that you might speak to each of us this morning by your Holy Spirit, through your perfect word. You would use your word to convict us, to challenge us, Lord, also to comfort us and encourage us where it is needed. Lord, your word is capable of all these things. We ask that you would speak and that you would move among us this morning. We ask these things in the precious name of Jesus Christ, by the power of the Holy Spirit, to you, God, our Father in heaven. Amen. Amen. If you have a Bible with you this morning, I invite you to take and turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. If you don't have your own copy of God's Word with you this morning, feel free to borrow one from the back of the pew that's in front of you. If you don't own your own copy of God's Word, you can take that as our gift to you, and we'll replenish it, put a new one in the back of the pew, and uh, that will be our gift to you. If you would prefer to follow along on the screen, on your phone or tablet, however you are accessing the Word of the Lord, I would ask this morning, if you're able, would you please stand out of reverence to the public reading of God's Holy Word. We will be looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We'll be beginning in verse 12. We'll read through verse 28, and once we have finished that reading, I will say this is the word of the Lord, and I encourage you to respond with the phrase, thanks be to God. Let's look together now at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, beginning in verse 12. The word of the Lord says, For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body. So it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free. And were all made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body. That would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? 
But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the hand to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor, and our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which are more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now, you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating, and the various kinds of tongues. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Folks, as we have worked our way through this book and studied how Scripture teaches us to conduct ourselves as a church body, we have walked through the fact that you have to be a Christian to be a member of the universal church and the local church. Now, you may be able to fool a local body of believers. You may be able to put on a happy face and pretend to do Christian things enough to possibly fool a local body of believers into thinking that you really are a Christian. But no one who is a part of the body is not a Christian. The body is the church universally. And so everybody who has ever believed truly in Jesus Christ, in the birth that He came from a virgin, in His life, in His perfect life, in His death, in His resurrection, anyone who has believed in that and it has caused their life to change because of that deep-rooted belief in Jesus, they are a part of the universal church throughout all time. But anyone who has not believed on the Lord Jesus Christ is not a part of His church, neither in truth, universally or locally. So this means that, honestly, we have more in common with people on the other side of the world that speak a different language than us that don't even know about the same sports that we watch, but believes in Jesus in name, in word, and in deed, than we do with our neighbor who has the same skin color as us, the same language as us, drives a similar vehicle to us, and probably pulls for the same team of the similar sports than us. We have more in common with anyone who is our brother or sister in the universal church than we do with people who have other commonalities with us that have nothing to do with Christ. So we looked at the very first section of the book, our common salvation. You have to be a Christian to make it to heaven. You have to understand who Jesus is and trust in Him. It doesn't mean being a good church member, a good person. It only means 
one thing, believing on Jesus as your Lord and Savior and turning from a life of sin. So it walks through those steps and how to trust in Jesus, how to believe in Him. And listen, that's the most important thing that we can say in any and every worship service. If you are sitting here this morning and you've never believed in Jesus in such a way as to change your heart and change your life, then I beg you this morning, give control of your life to Jesus. Don't make him the co-pilot. Put him in the driver's seat. Let him be the master, the commander, the person in charge of your life. That is saving faith. And if you've never done that, I urge you and beg you to see our need for Jesus and believe on him this morning. That is the most important thing that I can say. But then once we believe, we begin to gather together as believers. And so there's several things that we believe in as a church. We looked at baptism and the Lord's Supper, and there's other churches, other denominations that have more than those ordinances. They call them sacraments in some places, but these are the two that we believe. We talked about the seriousness of believer's baptism. We talked about the seriousness of the Lord's Supper and looked at what Scripture has to say about these two. Last week we talked about ministry at Bethany Baptist Church. We talked about the fact that if you're not in a group, if you are not a part of a disciple group or a Sunday school class, then ministry is happening outside of you. If your only participation in this body is to show up for this one hour to hour and 15 minutes a week on Sundays to sing some songs and hear some preaching, you are missing out on blessing. All right? This is not a guilt trip. This is not a, boy, you better be in church, I tell you what. This is telling you that you are missing out on blessings by not committing and living life together with a group of believers, just showing up sporadically from time to time. So then we talked about the leadership, what the word of the Lord tells us about pastors and elders, overseers, how those words are synonymous and interchangeable in the New Testament. We talked about deacons. Then we looked at that wonderful chart that everybody just thought was the best chart ever. You guys The response to my chart last week was just touching. The fact that nobody said anything about it just made me realize I definitely spent my time on something worthwhile, all right? So, I like charts, and I just enjoy this chart, okay? You see the bottom. That's church membership. If you're not a church member, you can't do any of the things above that. The pastors are all members of the church. The church decides locally here as a congregation who will be set apart to be the pastor, who will be set apart to be associate ministers along with that, who the deacons will be. Everything is decided locally by this congregation, but none of it happens without being a church member. It's not a Sam's Club card. It's not a membership to Costco. You don't just give a tithe once a year and say, well, I'm part of the church now. It's a commitment to being a part of this body, to being a hand, to being a finger, to being a beard hair, to being whatever the Lord has called you and gifted you to be as a part of this body. So now, we move on to our common belief. You will find in this book, at the back of the book, you have a copy of our bylaws and you have a copy of the Baptist Faith and Message. The Baptist Faith and Message, this is the 2000 update of it, all right? So what I want you to do is not... Not today, not right now. We're not going to walk through all 18 articles of the Baptist faith and message. But I want you to understand that we agree wholeheartedly with all of these tenets. All right? I I want you to understand, I may not 
be 100% on every one of these articles in every way that it is worded, but I believe with all of my heart, this Baptist Faith and Message, the 2000 updated edition, this is as close to a perfect interpretation of Scripture as it gets. Now, does it mean that you have to agree with every dot and every cross T and every jot and every portion of this to be a member of this church? No, it, it does not. But if you want to understand what we as a church believe, here it is. In 18 articles, you can see what we believe about God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit, about man, about salvation. You can look at what we believe about the Scriptures. You can go, you know what? Is this one of those churches that believes you've got to have a second baptism of the Holy Spirit? Is this one of those churches that, that they believe that if you don't speak in tongues, then you're not really a Christian? Why, no. No, this is not one of those churches. We don't believe that. If you're wondering, well, what does this church believe about sign gifts and things? Well, it's funny that you ask. It's actually in here in your book. Hey, we gave it to you. And then not only does it say, here's what we believe about man, here's what we believe about salvation, the Lord's day, the kingdom, last things, evangelism and missions and ministry, the church. What, is, what, what does our church believe the Bible says about the church? There's an article that says, number six, the church, on page 17. And then, well, did they just make that up? Did they just conjure it up out of nowhere? No. It's actually all these places down here that are the scripture references for why we believe what we believe. Every article, all 18 of these are pulled straight out of the word of the Lord. All of them. They're vague where they need to be vague. They're concise where they need to be concise. They're expanded where they need to be expanded. Is this one of those churches that believes that you baptize babies and then you're good and that, that's it? That's all you need? No, we're not one of those churches. We've already talked about baptism. Is this one of those churches that believes that if I sin one too many times that I've lost my salvation and now I'm going to hell? No, that's, that's not the kind of church that we are either. If you want to know what we believe, it's in this document. All right? Now, maybe there'll come another time where we walk through all 18 of these, but I just wanted you to have them. I wanted you to understand there may be people who you've been a member of this church for your whole life and you've never actually looked at, put your eyes on, the Baptist faith and message. This document doesn't just describe our beliefs, but it describes the belief that we hold to with about 40,000 other local bodies of Christ. There are local churches in the Southern Baptist Convention who we affiliate with. We make all our own decisions, but we're affiliated with the Southern Baptist Convention. And those 40,000 churches plus all agree on this document as being true and proper and accurate interpretation of God's holy word on these articles. And so, folks, it's not just about what we believe here at Bethany. It's about proper understanding of God's word. It's about knowing that God does talk about speaking in tongues, but it's not a sign that is required for our salvation. God does talk about baptism, but he talks about it in the context of believers' baptism. You trust in Jesus and then are baptized. God talks about those who are his will not be snatched out of his hand. It talks about whether or not we can lose our salvation. And we need to know where those verses are and know where we stand on those things. And listen, if you believe in some of those things that I just said, and you're realizing for the first time that as a church, we don't, then this might not be the right congregation for you. And I'm, I'm not trying to encourage anybody to leave, but I want you to understand those are things I don't believe Scripture teaches, and our congregation doesn't believe Scripture teaches. So we want to be united.
together have unity around these things. These are the things that are primary, are of first importance. There's other things we can disagree on along the way and still fellowship together as brothers and sisters. When we take up the offering, look, if you leave a church because they take up the offering at the wrong time, folks, I just need to encourage you to check your heart and your spirit just a little bit, okay? That's not something to divide over, all right? But there are doctrinal beliefs that are worth taking a stand for and worth saying, I believe this and not that. And so that's why we provide that in this document. I'm not going to dive much deeper into it today because we're going to wrap this up. But I want you to have it. I want you to know it's there. I want want to encourage you to look at it. We're Baptists. So look at that next page. We are Baptists. At the Baptist Church, we're totally independent. All right? We have no governing body that sends people to us to be ministers that we are responsible to. We have an association of churches. We affiliate and work together with other like-minded churches, but there's not somebody who can tell us what to do. Here's the worst that the Southern Baptist Convention could do to Bethany Baptist Church. The president of the Southern Baptist Convention could recommend to the executive committee that we be excluded from fellowshipping with the other thousands upon thousands of churches that are part of the Southern Baptist Convention because we step out of agreed-upon beliefs among Southern Baptists. So that's the full extent of what the Southern Baptist Convention can do as far as their authority over us. We are a local congregation, and our congregation holds all the authority over ourselves. But because we want to reach the whole world, we associate and cooperate with churches all across the United States. Over 40,000 churches. Listen, we cooperate together with other churches in Covington County. There's a Covington Baptist Association. There's an Alabama State Board of Missions, the Baptist State Board of Missions. And like we said, there's over 40,000 churches that cooperate together in a worldwide effort to reach the lost for Christ. So you have a description of the Southern Baptist Convention, of the International Mission Board. Listen, part of us cooperating with other Southern Baptist churches is so that we can support over 5,200 missionaries all over the world to spread the gospel. Now, we as a church, if we wanted to send missionaries out to share the gospel, how many missionaries do you think we could support full-time? Everything that they need, all of their health insurance, all of their needs covered, how many missionaries do you think that we could could support? A hundred? Thousand? 10,000. Look, our giving has been really good. We we could do 20,000, right? No, not a chance. Not a chance. So that's why we cooperate together with our brother and sister churches all across the United States. We believe similarly. We unite together. We cooperate together. And a portion of every dollar that is given to Bethany Baptist Church goes to the cooperative program. Some of the money always goes to International Mission Board. Then we take up special offerings for the International Mission Board and the North American Mission Board. We have a whole other entity designed just to reach North America. And so there's about 1,700 new churches each year planted in dark places where there are no other churches. There's no other Southern Baptist voice sometimes. So that's why we have fellowship and cooperation. That's why we're a part of the Southern Baptist Convention, but they don't hold authority over us. 
except to say you've stepped out of line in this way, this way, and this way from what we as Southern Baptists agree is true and accurate belief and doctrine in the Bible. If you continue in this, we will exclude you from calling yourselves Southern Baptists. You can call yourself something else, but you can't say you belong with the Southern Baptist Convention because you've stepped out on these things. That's the only authority that they have over us. It's important to know. We work together with other churches, but we don't give them authority to tell us what to do in our services, how we minister, where our money is spent, and all of those things. So what does it mean to be a member of Bethany Baptist Church? It, it really breaks down into the difference between attenders and members and really can be summed up in one word there in your book, commitment. Are you going to be a fan? Are you going to be a follower? Or are you just going to be somebody that shows up? Are you going to be somebody who's committed or are you going to be somebody who's just here because I feel guilty, you know? My mom and daddy raised me to come to church, and so I need to come to church. Or maybe this describes you. You know what? My mom and daddy told me my kids are going to be raised in church. And you bring your kids to church and you endure this long, boring preaching every Sunday so that your kids can grow up in church. Let me tell you something. If you're just here so that your kids can go to church and you miss Jesus, you miss the whole point. You've got to want to be a part of this church and be a part of Jesus. You can't just come for your kids. If your kids meet Jesus and they get saved, that doesn't help you go to heaven. You have to believe. You have to join this church because you think, I need to be a part of what God is doing here. Not because, well, I feel real guilty. And you know, I, I, my parents are getting on me and my friends are getting on me. And, you know, my kids, they, they got to be in church. They got to learn them Bible school songs. They got to they gotta do all that stuff. That's culturally expected of me. If that's why you're here, man, you're wasting your time. I hope your kids meet Jesus. But I hope you meet Jesus. Don't just be here for your kids because you know then what happens. And it's tragic. It happens all over the country. People come to bring their kids. Then their kids grow up and their kids graduate. Their kids never met Jesus because their kids never saw Jesus at home. They just saw Jesus for a couple hours a week at this campus. And then when their kids go to college, they have nothing to do with Jesus. And the parents realize, well, our kids aren't going anymore. So I, I guess we sleep in on Sundays. We can go travel on Saturdays. We don't have to show up for Wednesday night meal anymore. We don't have to do any of this stuff. If we're just doing it for our kids. And you fall away and you realize, I never knew Jesus. I never had a relationship with anybody in the church. I just went for my kids. And now my kids aren't going and now I'm not going. Folks, that's not church membership. That's not following hard after Jesus. That's fulfilling a cultural obligation. And if that's why you're in church, you're missing it. You're missing your blessing. You're missing the whole point. So what does it mean to be a member of a church? Why should we be a member of a church? Seven formal reasons. Seven reasons for formal membership. Christ was committed to the church. Look at Ephesians 5.25. It tells husbands to love your wives as Christ loved the church. Christ gave himself up for her, for the church. So we need to be committed to the church the same way Christ was committed to the church. He died for the church. Membership keeps us accountable. Hebrews 10, 23 through 25. Look with me at these verses. Hebrews 10, 23 through 25. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. 
And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and to good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. Listen, there's so many people that we run into and we we talk to that say, hey, you know what? You know what? Lord's coming back. It's closer now than it's ever been. And yet, if we really believe that, how come we get together less often? It says, all the more as the day is approaching. So if we believe that we're in the final days or whatever that looks like, we ought to be gathering together even more than what we are. But the same people who usually tell me, man, Lord's coming back just just today, just soon as he can. I mean, you just look around and you see all the signs, all the rumors for war, and Iran's getting nuclear weapons, and it's coming. I'm telling you, the end of the world, it's coming. Those same people are the ones who don't come. But the Bible tells us, don't neglect meeting together. And if you think the end of the world's coming, get together all the more so that we can encourage one another and stir one another up to good works. But let me tell you what this is not, okay? We'll borrow this hymnal right here. This is not... Um, <clears throat> You know what? Jake missed church today. Mm. Mm-hmm. Y'all saw he missed church today. Next week. Mm. Jake missed again. Missed again. Tell you what? That heathen. All right. Let's see next week. Jake, three weeks in a row. I know where he's going. I know what's happening. I'm going to call him up. Hey, you ain't been to church in three weeks. Where are you going? What are you doing? Y'all, this is not a license to be the church police. I'm not the church police. You're not the church police. All right? People got to be accountable to God for how they approach or don't approach the throne. People got to be accountable to God for how plugged in or unplugged they are from the local church. It's not your job or my job to try and rip the speck out of somebody else's eye when I got a log sticking out of mine. Don't be the church police. It ain't our job. Jobs to love people and encourage them instead of going, you know what? Jake's missed three weeks. I wonder what he's doing. wonder where he's been. How about this? Hey, Jake, man, I noticed, man, it's been a while since I've seen you at church. What's going on? Everything okay? How can I pray for you? Do y'all need something? Is something going on in your life? Did somebody hurt you at the church? What's, what's happening and how, how can I help you through this? That's not church police. That's actually caring about people and what's going on in their life. And don't go to them just so that you can drag them back to church. Go to them because you care. And that's not going to happen, again, unless you're plugged in with small groups and Sunday school classes. If all you're doing is showing up in here and then somebody comes knocking on your door or you get a letter in the mail that says, you've missed 17 weeks of church and we would like to know where you are. You're not going to take that as, I tell you what, they just care about where I am and they love me, I feel so loved. You're going to think, well, it's going to be 17 more weeks before I go to that church after this, after this phone call, after this card. I ain't going back to that place ever. How dare they keep track of how much I ain't there. You get the difference. Church is to hold us accountable, but not in a way that we are the church police or lord it over somebody else. That's not our job. That's the job of the Holy Spirit. Let the Holy Spirit do His job. Let us be faithful to the Word and to the Lord. We'll come back to being accountable here in a minute. But number three, membership encourages fellowship with other Christians. It's hard to get together with other Christians if you don't have a central place that you come together and worship on a regular basis. 
It's hard to just run in to other Christians throughout the day and have meaningful conversations and let them know what's going on in your life. Acts chapter 2, verse 42 to 47. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to the prayers. All came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together. They were together. They were together. Churches are supposed to be together. Try it with me. Churches are supposed to be together. So if you think coming two days a week and giving up two days out of seven for the Lord to gather with your brothers and sisters that you call church members and members of the same body is together, then maybe we need to go back to math class because two and five is a little different. I don't even think we're in the majority yet. Folks, there's so many of us that it's a, just a chore to come back on Wednesday night. Oh, I mean, I might have to sit around the table with people and then eat a meal with them, and they're going to go, hey, how are things going? How's your week been? And i got to, like, put on a smile and pretend that I had a great week. Do you know sometimes on Wednesday nights, people sit around the table and go, this week has been murder. I have no idea how I drug myself in here, but here I am. And you know what happens? It's amazing. Somebody goes, man, let, let me pray for you. What's been going on? How can I help? What do you need? What's been, what's been happening? What made it so hard? What's happened in your life? Man, you just don't even understand. I just lost my mom. I just lost my dad. We've been through surgery after surgery after surgery. We just got one kid sick and now two others are sick. And I don't know what, which way is up and what's going on. And there's people there to love you. That's what was happening in Acts. They got together and helped one another. They didn't get together and judge one another. They didn't get together and look at each other and look over their roles and go, mm-hmm. Y'all know, that's, that's that sound. Y'all know that sound. Mm-hmm. Need not another word be spoken. Mm-hmm. Walk in on a Wednesday night and hear that noise. I'm out. Ain't no need to put up with all that. Formal membership encourages this kind of true Friendship and fellowship with one another. And not just sitting through a sermon on a Sunday. Number four, membership edifies. and It's another word for strengthens the church. Builds up the church. Membership shows our love for one another. Verse after verse after verse. They will know us by our love. They will know us by our love. They will know us by our love. And when we are a church to one another, and we love one another, and we give sacrificially to one another, the world will notice. It will stand out more than every street corner preacher. It will stand out when you love one another. When I love my church brothers and sisters, not superficially. I mean love when it hurts. I mean, I don't have time to show up and help you, but I'm going to stop my day to show up and be here because you need me. I don't have the money to give to help you through this hard time, but I'm going to reach out to my Sunday school class. We're all going to pitch in something, and we're going to help you through this hard time. None of us have the money to do it, but you know, God told us to bear one another's burdens, to build one another up. And when the church comes together in that way, the outside world sees. What, what do you mean? Your mom was... All your meals were cut. Your grass was cut. All those cards came in. People just there at your house. 
I just don't understand. When my mom died, I mean, I had some friends show up for a day, and then they were gone. I mean, they, they came by, hugged my neck at the funeral home, but that was it. Folks, if that's all we're doing to love one another through difficult times and times of loss, that's not deep, sacrificial love that reaches to the world. Look at 1 John 2.19. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that it might become plain that they are not of us. In 1 John 4.19-21, we love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God, and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, cannot love God, whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. When we as a church radically and sacrificially love one another, it honors God in powerful ways that draw people into relationship with the Father. That's part of the way that God is reaching the world through the church. So then, number six, membership unites our efforts for world evangelism. We talked about the International Mission Board, the North American Mission Board, the 40,000-some-odd churches that we unite with to reach the world for the gospel. Membership glorifies God. When a church is living as a church should, it glorifies God in ways that none of us ever could on our own. It's just not possible to do by yourself. We need one another. I need you. And as sad as it is, you kind of need me too, I guess. It's a two-way street. And we can reach far more people together and bring far more glory to God together. You might think, but it's messy when we're together. Yes, but God redeems the messiness. And it makes it all that more moving. Yeah, but they're, they're, they're hurting my feelings. It's hard. It's supposed to be hard. It's simple, but it's hard. Love people sacrificially. Simple. Profoundly difficult. Because people are always going to burn you and disappoint you and let you down. And you've got to love them anyway. And I've got to love them anyway. That's when God is glorified. Because that's how He redeemed us. So when you think it's messy and it's too hard, remember that it was too messy and too hard, but Jesus stayed on the cross. When the church is too messy and too hard, stick with it. Stay in. Because God will redeem and move. And it will be powerful and impactful in ways that you can't, you can't express on your own. So then look, we, we continue. What is expected of me as a member of Bethany Baptist Church? Now remember the chart, okay? Everybody in this room is a member. What is expected of me as a member? What is expected of me as the pastor who is also a member? All right? What is expected of Jake as the pastor over our student ministry who is also a member? What is expected of Jake, I mean Jason, who is our worship and outreach pastor, but also a member? These expectations apply to all of the members. Protect the unity of our church by acting in love toward other members. We've covered that. By refusing to gossip. God help us to give people the benefit of the doubt. Man, why is it that we in the church are the world's worst to assume the absolute worst and then start gang-ganging about it? Well, you heard about so-and-so and what she did and what he did and what happened. Mm, let me tell you. Well, you know that so-and-so was with so-and-so and they went to such-and-such -such a place and, woo, let me tell you. 
Well, I heard that Pastor Nathan said this, and then he told us that, and now our people are doing this, and I just want you to know that's not fair. That's not right. Not a soul goes to the source and talks to the source. Oh, yeah, well, I heard TJ went to Guatemala just so he could marry Taylor. Uh Uh-huh. That's that's the rumor that I heard. That one might be true. I don't know. (laughs) But you've got to talk to TJ. Refuse to gossip. If somebody starts down that trail with you, now, have you talked to so-and-so about that? Have you talked to Ted about that? That's... You're you're saying some pretty serious things. Did you hear that from Ted? How did that really happen? How did that really go down? Well, I heard Sally tell Susie, who told her cousin that her best friend's uncle's brother has a really good friend that works with this other guy, and they told me that they saw Ted, and then they saw Ted go to that place, and I just know that it's got to be true. The information went through 17 people. How on earth is that true? Go to the source. Listen, we're about to get to a section called church discipline. And everybody gets really afraid, but that's a huge chunk of it. Just go find out what's really happening. Just go talk to the people that are your church members, your brother or your sister in Christ. If you think Matt Cobb stepped out of line, go talk to Matt Cobb. I've never met a more meek and humble and unassuming man who will listen to you and go, well, you know what, I, I, I didn't see how this happened that way, but here's, here's how I reacted and responded. We have people in this church that serve in high roles in our community. Principals and superintendents and surgeons and dentists and and district attorneys and people running for county commission and all sorts of stuff going on. And it's so easy for us as a congregation to be the first to go, well, I heard that Walt did such and such at his job as the district attorney. I'm not going to go to his Sunday school class. I'm not going to go talk to him. I'm not going to go and see Tim Day. He refused to operate on so-and-so about such-and-such. And we won't ever go talk to the person. And when we hear the gossip, instead of going, hey, listen, I, I just, I don't, I don't know about all this. this. This doesn't sound quite right to me. I know, I know Michael Barton really well. I just, I don't, I don't, I don't think that's him. I know Tim Day really well. That, that doesn't sound like him. Why don't we go ask them what really happened? I know Brock Wallace really well. I don't think that he intentionally turned your power off. That doesn't seem to be consistent with his character, and I don't know that he has that authority in the corporation, okay? Let us be people that put a stop to the gossip and protect the unity of our church. I'm not saying make special exemptions for people. Just go hear them out. Give them the benefit of the doubt and find out what's really going on. If it really pertains to you. And if it doesn't, here's my advice to myself and every one of us. Mind our own business. Sometimes it just doesn't matter whether we know what's right or what's wrong. Sometimes you just got to trust that your church member is believing in Jesus, following Jesus, and doing the right thing. And you know what? It's 17 steps removed from me, so I'm just going to let it be. I'm going to pray about it, and the Lord will take care of it. A monumental thing, folks. Things aren't hard. These things are simple. We can do these things. Follow the leaders, the pastors, and the deacons of the church. Then Ephesians 4.29, Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. Share the responsibility of the church. Praying for the church. Folks, pray for one another. Pray for the growth of one another. Pray that God will be glorified in our lives. Pray that God will be glorified in this church. 
pray that this church will grow. And that's not just numbers. That's talking about growth among us, that we would be mature believers, that we would launch out missionaries, that we would raise up new leaders and new pastors and new teachers. Pray for our church. Invite unchurched to attend the church. Warmly welcome those who visit. Folks, these two are so easy. You see somebody you don't know, walk up to them. Say, hey, I ain't seen you here before. My name's so-and-so, and I'm just glad to have you here at the church. And you know what? If they came for three weeks and it's the first time you saw them, guess what? It's okay. Whoa. You know what? There's a big church, a lot of folks. It's just my first time seeing you. I'm so sorry. Embrace the awkwardness. All right? If you go and invite somebody to church, it could be awkward. Embrace it. If you go to say hey to somebody you don't know at church, it could be awkward. Embrace it. If you sit somewhere that you haven't always sat for the last 10 years and somebody you haven't met or talked to in a long time sits beside you, it can be awkward. Just talk to them. Embrace it. I promise you'll find a common subject and things will flow real quick, real easy. A lot of likable people in here. You know why? I walk around all, most every morning. I talk to a bunch of y'all. And guess what? Y'all are all real easy to talk to. So you folks over here that might not talk to these folks over here, they're all real nice. And you folks over here that might not talk to these folks right here, they're all real nice too. Branch out. Love people. Welcome people. Invite people. How hard is it to say, hey, where are you going to church? Would you love to come sit with me? Inviting people to church doesn't mean you just expect them to show up. It means, hey, I park over here, and I'll meet you right there by that door, and then I'll sit with you that morning. And don't walk up to fellow church members that are sitting somewhere strange and go, hey, uh, Brother Davis, you're not sitting where you normally sit. How come you're sitting way back over here today? Well, this is my friend Joe, and my friend Joe had never been to church before, so I invited Joe. Joe was more comfortable sitting back here, and I sat by Joe. But guess what? You just made Joe feel really weird, okay? All right? Just go say hey to Ronald Davis. Don't go up and say, hey, Brother Ronald, why are you sitting in such an odd place this morning? (laughs) This stuff's easy, guys. Serve the church. Discover your gifts and talents. God has gifted you in a way that he hasn't gifted anybody else. You have a skill set that our church needs. We need one another. Discover your gifts. Use them. Be equipped. Listen, there is great teaching that takes place every Sunday morning in these Sunday school classes. John Wallace, Walt Merrill, Ted Watson, Damon Morgan. There are so many great teachers. Ben Moore. This ladies' class, they rotate. Every different week there's a different teacher in there. And all of those ladies have such spiritual wisdom. And they share with one another. Folks, get plugged in and be equipped to do ministry, to be raised up. Then serve with a servant's heart. Attend faithfully, live a godly life, and give regularly. Folks, these these are the expectations. Four expectations with Bible verse to go through each one of them. All right, this is the last thing we're going to talk about. We'll be done. Church discipline. It's something we we don't really do. Just to be honest, this scares most everybody. Because I I don't know if you're like me, but I am afraid to walk up to somebody and say, hey, I I got a log sticking out of my eye, but but I've noticed the speck in yours. But folks, if we really believe what the Bible is teaching, if we really believe what the Bible tells us about the church, then we really have to help hold one another accountable. Not as the church police, not as legalists, with grace and mercy and love. But look with me at the verse that's listed there in 1 Corinthians chapter 5. 
1 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 1 through 11, Paul talking to the church in Corinth and says, It's actually reported that there's sexual immorality among you, and of a kind that's not tolerated even among the pagans. For a man has his father's wife. A man has his father's wife. Let it sink in. And you are arrogant. Ought you not rather to mourn? Let him who has done this be removed from among you. For though absent in body, I am present in spirit. And as if present, I have already pronounced judgment on the one who did such a thing. When you are assembled in the name of the Lord Jesus, and my spirit is present with the power of our Lord Jesus, you are to deliver this man to Satan for the destruction of his flesh, so that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord. Your boasting is not good. Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? Cleanse out the leaven that you may be a new lump. You really are unleavened. Folks, there is a prescription in the Bible, in God's Word, that tells us when somebody wanders away and is in repetitive, open, unrepentant sin and claim to be a member of this body of believers, we are to very, very humbly and penitently approach them with all grace and with all mercy. Galatians chapter 6, verse 1. If anyone's caught in transgression, you are you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. This is never to be approached as somebody that says, Well, I am in charge at the church, and we all know that you're sleeping around, and so you out. That's not church discipline. Folks, we are to go to one another in love. First one-on-one, then with a small group. And then if that person still will not repent, it's to be brought before the whole church in love and gentleness. Because if there are people who claim to be members of Bethany Baptist Church who are living out in our community being completely different than when they are among us, and when they are among our community, they are openly, repetitively, and unrepentantly living in sin, we have to speak up. Paul is chastising the church in Corinth because they did not discipline this man in such immorality that they lost their witness as a church. They stopped glorifying God because even the pagans outside the church understood how immoral this person was. And they said, listen, if Joe can be a member at Bethany and he can do that, oh man, that ain't even a church. They know. The outside world knows what the expectations are on our lives. And folks, this is, this is not about small, tiny things done one time. Everybody's striving, everybody's struggling to put our sin to death and chase after the Lord. But if it's open, meaning known to the whole community, if it's repetitive, meaning it's not a one-time occurrence, it happens all the time, and if it's unrepentant, there's no effort to make any correction. And we as a church have to lovingly approach that person and say, listen, there's got to be some changes. How can we walk with you? How can we help you make those changes? How can we pray for you through this struggle? 
All of us are struggling with sin. It just seems like maybe right now you're, you're losing a little more than you're winning. And we want to help you get on the other side of that by rallying around you. The ultimate goal of discipline in the church is to restore somebody. It's for there to be reconciliation and redemption. And any time church discipline is approached without that goal clearly in mind, we're failing each other as a church. Anytime we don't do church discipline because we're scared of it, we're failing one another as a church. And not a soul within the church is exempt to this. I pray that if I step out of line, you guys would pull me aside and say these things to me. I pray that the deacons would pull me aside and say, listen, pastor, um, folks in the community are are kind of starting to notice that like 29 out of 30 days in a month, you're spending like 14 hours at the idle hour, all right? You are drunk and you smell and things are just not good right now. What's up, pastor? Hey, listen, we got to get this right. How can we help you? What can we do? Hey, pastor, look. We notice that your eyes are lingering. We notice that that there's some some young ladies in our church that you seem to be a little too attentive to. How can we help you through this? Folks, whatever the moral failure is, whoever it is, church member, elder, it says that let let one of the other verses we've got right here, don't be lazy, but then you can't, elders are not exempt, 1 Timothy 5. All the pastors are subject to church discipline as well. But it has to be established on two or three witnesses and goes back to Matthew 5. This is something we have to do if we love one another. If you love your kids, you discipline them, right? How many parents in here know if you love your kids, you have to discipline them, right? If you don't care about your kids, let them do whatever they want, whenever they want, however they want. Let them play in the street. Don't ever tell them to check up for a car. See how that works out. Then when they go in the street, discipline them so they don't go back in the street. It's, a, it's an act of love. Folks, we've got to participate in that as a church. It's a, it's a bit messy, okay? It's a bit messy. But if we have brothers or sisters whom we love, who are a part of our body, that are openly in a sinful lifestyle, that are repetitively in a sinful lifestyle, that are unrepentantly in a sinful lifestyle. And there's no struggle and there's no fight. We have to go to them. If it persists, we go back to them. If it persists, we bring it before the whole church. If it still persists, we say, as a church, we can no longer confess that this person is a believer because nothing in their life matches up to what God tells them. So that then when that person goes around the community and says, oh yeah, you know, I've been... I've been going to Bethany. I'm a member down there at Bethany uh, Church Baptist. That's me. I'm there every, sometimes, I'm there. That's, I go there. We can say, oh, no, no, no. Listen, they tried to lovingly restore you. They tried to help you. They tried to love you and, and bring you back into fellowship, and you refused. And so I know good and well you're not a part of Bethany Baptist Church. Folks, it's part of our witness to the community. But the most essential thing is to do it with love and with gentleness. Because the fact of the matter is, we've all sinned. We all fall short. We're all struggling against our sin. But we can't ever let it get to a point where we never repent of it. 
where we're open with it to everybody and, and anybody, and where it's a repetitive act of our life now. It becomes a habit. It becomes part of how people know who we are. Folks, this, this is what it means to be a church. I, I encourage you to look at those verses, to read them. I encourage you to look through the bylaws and understand how we're organized. I encourage you this morning, if you have been attending, you know that you ought to join this fellowship. I encourage you to make that move. To say, this is where God's calling me. This is where I want to be. This is my family of faith. This morning, if all of this community, all of this sounds like something you need in your life but don't have, you've got to know Jesus. Don't leave today without knowing Him fully. Without loving Him and serving Him. Without committing your life to Him. This morning, I ask, I'm going to pray. I'm going to ask that you respond in one way or another. However the Lord leads. If you want to join the church, you come down the aisle and say, Pastor, I want to join the church. If you want to accept Christ in your life, come down front, grab Jake or myself and say, I... I need to accept Christ. If you want to say, I need to be baptized, come down and let us know. At the very least, we can pray for you. If something's going on in your life, I just want somebody to pray for me. Listen, you, you don't have to have a pastor for that. Grab your brother or your sister. Come down here to these steps and say, can you come and pray with me? Shame on anybody who won't do that. Folks, let's pray. Let's respond to this. Father, we love you. God, we thank you for your word that tells us and prescribes for us exactly how to conduct your church. Your church universally and your church as a local body. Father, we pray that we as a church would be a reflection of what you've told us in Scripture. That we would love one another, be committed to one another, bear one another's burdens. Father, that we would not be a church of gossip and slander, but we would be a church of truth and love, and humility. God, that we would be a church that is so bold as to work out church discipline among our own with gentleness and love, that we might hold each other accountable and live more and more like you each and every day. Lord, help us to follow what you have told us, to live for you, to look like the church you described in the New Testament. We ask you you would move among us now, and that we would respond in obedience. We ask these things in the name of Jesus Christ, by the power of the Holy Spirit, to you, our Father in heaven.